Well, good morning, and welcome to Open Arms Online. My name is PJ Booth, and I'm the founding pastor here at Open Arms. Today is the final message in our series, Jesus Is. And I can hear you all saying, ah, well, it is the final. It, a series that was built around the qualities, attributes, and character of who Jesus is. And we believe as a church, as Open Arms, that Jesus is the center of our church. He's the leader of this church, and He's the passion of this church. And you know, your view of who you believe Jesus is will impact your relationship with Him. And, and we have been really praying over the last six, this is seven weeks, our prayer has been that you will rediscover who Jesus is in your life, that you will recenter Him and focus on Him again, that you would fall in love with Him, perhaps for the first time, or perhaps all over again. You know, names are, are so important, and especially biblical names. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, who was considering breaking off marriage with Mary because she got pregnant and it wasn't his baby, an angel appeared to him and gave him this name. Matthew one twenty one says that she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Jesus means Savior, such an important name. He is a Savior of the world. And you know, back then, the name Jesus was quite common. And today, I've just discovered a few months ago that the name J-E-S-U-S -S is quite common in certain parts of the world. We had a young man who joined our production team here some time ago, and his name is Jesus. J-E-S, right, with an accent, U-S. So I call him Jesus, not Jesus. So we are the only church, as far as I'm aware, in Ireland who has Jesus on the production team. So that's great. Welcome to church. So it's great that we know Jesus as Savior, and that's important. But what we want to do today, we want to go deeper. I believe that Jesus wants to know us in a more intimate way. And just two verses later in that same uh, chapter, Matthew 1, in verse 23, this is what it says. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. So, God with us, that what, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, so different from the God who stood on a mountain and in a unapproachable light, the God who gave out the Ten Commandments, the God who seems to us to be somewhat distant. Now He's saying His name will be Emmanuel, God with us. And so many of us know Jesus as Savior, but today, God wants to bring you closer. He wants to bring you into that intimate, close fellowship with Him. Do you know theologians call God, he called Jesus, God-man. Fully God and fully man. It's a miracle how this has happened. What we need to know is Jesus, the man, is the one who has our back, the one who knows you intimately, the one who is close so the title of my message today is, Jesus is Closer Than a Brother. And this is how John puts it in John 1.14. The Word, speaking of Jesus, the Logos, God, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And so important for us today, Jesus didn't come just to give us lessons and instructions and to die for us on the cross 
as absolutely essential as that was. In fact, he spent most of his life, 30 years, not doing any of that. For 30 years, he spent his life experiencing life like you and me. And as far as we know, during that period, he didn't perform any miracles, because the Bible says that the, the wedding at Cana was his very first miracle. So Jesus spent 30 years of his life doing what? Being a human being. So 30 years living as a normal human being on earth, like you and me, and then three years of his ministry of teaching and miracle worker, and then finally dying on the cross and being raised from the death for our sins. So this 30 years of living is to identify. Theologians call that identification, that period of time, 30 years. So what does this mean for you and for me in our everyday life? It means Jesus can relate to us. He knows you. We are known by Him. You know, He was a, a carpenter, a, a, an ordinary carpenter, following in the, the steps of His dad. So before He ever preached, performed a miracle, or died on the cross, Jesus simply lived. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in the message version. Hebrews 2.17. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. So what did he experience? It says here, what is all? All the pain. My goodness, a lot of pain all of the testing that we go through so that He could help us in our time of need. So He identifies with us. He is not a far-off God. He is closer than a brother, and He knows us intimately. He knows our way of life in every single little detail. Of course, He was the baby in the manger. He was the miracle worker, the Savior on the cross, he is the risen Christ and also the returning King, but He's also the one who knows your pain. He knows your disappointment, your brokenness. So today, whatever anyone else might say to you, you are known. And that's so important. You're not a stranger. You're not off hidden somewhere. Jesus knows you. He knows everything about you, and He wants to be with you. So, I want to share three things that Jesus understands today. And my prayer is that through these three points, that you may know Him more, that you might love Him more, but perhaps just as important, that you might begin to accept His love and His care and His attention for you. So, number one, what does Jesus understand? He understands relationships. So, again, why does He understand relationships? Because He had a family. It tells us in, in Mark's gospel, Mark 6.3 says, Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So he had four brothers. Well, actually, they're four half-brothers and half-sisters because after Jesus was born, it says that Mary had relations with Joseph, and the result of that relations is what? James, Joseph, Jodas, Simon, 
and at least two sisters, because it says sisters in plural. So he had six siblings. And of course, everybody knows. Anybody grew up in a large family, six siblings, you know everything is perfect and easy, no fighting, no bickering, no rowing. Yeah, sure. Imagine having an older brother who never sinned. <laughs> what would that be like? Goody, goody two-shoes. Did they tease him, punch him, pinch him? I wonder, did they ever duct tape him, tape him to the chair? I wonder, did they, they hold him upside down or stick him in a well or whatever you do to a, an older brother? You see, Jesus had a family. He knows what it's like to experience family. And for those who are single, he knows what it's like to be single. He remained single for that 33 years. But the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way. Now, we don't like to think about that, but it means then as, as a woman approached Jesus, he saw the woman just like every other male, and he was tempted, but yet was without sin. So, as a single person, every temptation you go through, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way. He knows you. He gets you. And if you think that he was never married, and so therefore he can't identify with you, the Bible describes him as the groom, and we are the bride. Therefore, he knows what it's like to have an unfaithful bride. Why? Because his church, his bride, is unfaithful every single day. He knows what it's like. He has experienced it all. He knows what it's like to have a, a friend betray him, perhaps at his greatest moment of need. He's one of his best disciples, his buddy, Peter. What, what, what happened with Peter? The question, he said, are you, are you one of those? Are you a follower of this Jesus? And he said, Jesus who? I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking. I never knew this guy. He denied him three times. So he knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be stabbed in the back. He knows. And then, of course, you have his family. His family thought that he was out of his mind. As he began his ministry and began to cast out demons, we read in Mark's Gospel, 321 says, when his family heard about this, they were to take they, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Imagine the four brothers coming, excuse me, sorry, he's not, you know, mom dropped him on his head when he was really young. You know, he, he, he can't cast out demons. He's not, I mean, he, he's just Jesus, the carpenter's son. Come on. So even his own family, his own brothers rejected him. Jesus knows everything about family. He can identify with me and with you. And the second thing that Jesus understands, he understands life. He knows what it's like to go to work every day. Get up in the morning, whether you're tired or not, whether you're sick or unsick, whatever, what's happening to get up and go to work. So 2,000 years ago, in the Middle East, a 12-year-old was considered a man when it came to work. Jesus had a job. He worked. So he worked as a carpenter from the age of 12 to 30. So, so that's what? 18 years working as a carpenter. So when we see these paintings of Jesus, and he's slim and pale and serene and, and beautiful hands, and that, it's a lie. It's not true. None of that is true. Can I just tell you that 
Jesus didn't have an nail gun. <laughs> he didn't have an nail gun. He, he, he didn't have power saws, chop saws, skill saws, jigsaws. He would have had an axe and chisels and hand saws. He would have had to go and cut down trees and then cut them apart to make furniture out of. Is it possible that Jesus was a bit rough around the edges? His hands were calloused with lumps taken out of him. That he was as strong as an ox and as hard as nails. Is that possible? He worked with his dad, the family business. Is it possible that he had customers that he had to satisfy? Bills to pay? He had to collect money from his customers? He had to pay taxes and put up with a, a bad economy governed by Rome, who were the foreign rulers? Listen, Jesus has experienced it all. And there's a big question. The question is why? Why did God, who cloaked His majesty, why did this Jesus come to earth and spend 30 years experiencing life? Because He wanted to identify with you and with me. He wants you to know He gets you. He understands you. He understands me. Jesus knows us, and He is closer than a brother. Again, Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as you are, yet was without sin. So He gets you. He gets me. He understands us. He is God with flesh on. He is God with skin on. He is God who experienced life for over 30 years. He gets us. And the third thing that he understands is pain. Pain. I know that there's people listening to my voice right now. There's people sitting before me right now and you're in, in great, great physical pain. But there are many others who are in far greater pain, that emotional pain, that pain that leaves a lot of scars, that debilitates us, that, that pain that can paralyze us, that pain where we feel ostracized, rejected. That is a great pain. And I want to tell you today, Jesus gets you. Isaiah 53, 3. He says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. I believe that Jesus was suffering a long time before He ever went to the cross. Is it possible that every kid in his community called him that name? That name that has separated single moms, that has separated people whose dads have left for many, many years. You see, Mary got pregnant before she was married. Imagine Ireland back in the 50s and 60s. You got married in July, and you had your baby maybe in February or March, and you had the neighbors and the religious, and they began counting. July, August, September, October, November, December. Oh, a gunshot wedding. Shame. Pointing the finger. So what was it like 2,000 years ago? 
the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religiosity that went on. What was that word that perhaps his friends or young guys called to him? You know, regardless of our age, a lot of people go through emotional suffering. When I was young, I was slagged and jeered by the older guys, particularly about one person, because I had a really bad speech impediment, and so they couldn't often understand what I was saying, and they had a name for me, and that name was Babby Boot. So do you think I grew up as a little reactionary? Do you think that my first thing was hit them before they hit you? Slap them, and then talk later? Get them before they get you. You think that had any impression on my life? And then as a young kid, I was, I was a bedwetter. A very common thing. And unfortunately, back when I was born, back in the 60s and 70s, you know, large families slept to top and tail. So there wasn't a lot of secrecy. But boy, there was certainly a lot of shame. Each of us, has suffered in our own way. And right now, Jesus knows your suffering. Jesus identifies with you. Jesus gets you. It says he was despised and rejected by men. The scripture goes on to says he was a man of sorrows. You know, when theologians study this section, they say that a man of sorrows in the context that perhaps a man of sorrows would even go to bed and cry at night. So I want to tell you today, when you're in your darkest hour, when you're in that place in the dark of the night, when you think nobody knows, nobody can hear you, listen to what Psalm 56 says. It says, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all of my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. Jesus gets you. And you know, for some of us, I think God needs more than a jar or a small bottle. Maybe he might need a big, big jar, a five-gallon drum, a 50-gallon drum. But what's my point? Jesus gets you. He knows you. He has experienced it all. He identifies with you. You are not on your own. You're not talking to a God who doesn't understand you're talking to the intimate Jesus, Emmanuel, God with flesh on. We also know that from the, the book of Colossians that Jesus is the creator of all things. And imagine all of this suffering happened even before the crucifixion. But when we look at the crucifixion, the crucifixion is the worst death, type of death that has ever been invented or experienced by man. And can you imagine the scene? Here is Jesus. He has created everything. He has created human beings. And, and we reject Him. We do this. We have turned our back on Him. And I can imagine Him with God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, looking and, and looking at history and looking at timeline. And Jesus says, I want to be born then. Right in the middle of the, the Roman Empire. I, I, I want to suffer that type of death. Now remember, he's the creator of all things, including history. So he could have picked 2021. He could have come to this earth and died from lethal injection. 
But he said, no, I, I, I want to come there. I, I, I want to die. I want to suffer. I want to be slaughtered. So people will know that I get them. So people will know the depth of my love for them. The people will know I hold nothing back. Jesus gets you today. Emmanuel, God with flesh on. He gets you today. You are known. The Bible puts it this way. Isaiah 53. It says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was slaughtered that we might know that we are loved. We are of great value. He gets us. And I believe that Proverbs 18 is a prophetic word about Jesus. Listen to what it says. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. He sticks closer than a brother. So as we conclude today, here are three things and three ways I'd love you to respond. Number one, make Jesus your best friend. As we would say on Facebook, we need to change our relationship status. You may know about Him, or you may even know Him as Savior, but He wants you to come to a whole other level. He wants you to be BFF. What's that? Best friend forever who sticks closer than a brother. So talk to Him. He gets you. He understands you. Fall in love with Him, perhaps for the first time, or maybe all over again. The second response Number two, we want you to talk to him. If Jesus understands relationships, if he understands life and pain, talk to him. Talk to him. You know, some of us need to stop talking to him in a formal manner. Now I lay me down to sleep. Yeah, I, I can imagine Jesus saying, yeah, I heard that before. <laughs> yeah, I got that one. He, he wants us to talk to him, to relate to him. Jesus is saying to us, I get you, I understand you. Will you talk to me? Will you tell me what's going on in your life? Listen to this. Prayer is not an event. Prayer is an ongoing conversation. You don't just stop and say this, this prayer. Our Father, Hail Mary, whatever it is. You don't, we don't do that. It's a relationship. It's intimate. You know the Bible says to, to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Well, look at your teenagers. Your teenagers, if they've been out with their friends, been out to the movies, been out all day, spent six, seven hours, they're, they're coming back and they're, they're texting, say, who are you texting? I'm, te I'm, I'm texting John. But you're only after leaving them. Oh, yeah, but I'm just checking. Yeah, on my way home now. Yeah, I'm going to have dinner. Yeah, I'm going to watch this. Yeah, watching my runners, getting ready for tomorrow. You know, da-da. Hey, 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 Jesus would love that. If, if, if I could get you an app, <laughs> the Jesus app, where you could text him, they could text you back, wouldn't you like that? 
But Jesus wants us to talk with him. He, he wants us to talk to him. Imagine, hi, Jesus, just checking in with you. Hi, Jesus, feeling lonely again. Hi, Jesus, you walked away from me again. Hi, Jesus, I don't know if I can make it through the day. And the more you do that, you begin to hear his response. I understand. I'm with you. No, you're not on your own. I get you. I get you. And you build this intimate relationship that's real. That's not a Sunday morning thing. There's not something when you stop and say your prayers in the morning, but it's ongoing. Pray without ceasing. Pray nonstop. It's called relationship. Talk to him. The Bible says that right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession on our behalf. It's from the book of Romans, chapter 8. But the Amplified says he's actually pleading as he intercedes for us. The message version says that he is sticking up for us. And again, imagine the scene. Imagine seeing Jesus sitting at the right-hand side of the Father. So when you look, Jesus is on the left, the Father is on the right. And he's saying, hey, do you see, Peter? Oh, do you see him going through that struggle? Jesus, that's, I was tempted that way. It is so, so hard. It's so tough. And, and yet he failed, yeah? He's failed again. But I want to tell you, it's really, really tough. And you know, his failure, I paid for that. He's covered by the blood. He's covered with my sacrificial death. All of that is covered. But why don't we encourage him? Holy Spirit, fill him again. God, pour out a miracle in his life. Father, make, give him more provision. Lord, pour out more mercy, more kindness, more goodness. Let your peace invade his entire life. He's there. He's, he, he's pleading on our behalf. So what am I saying to you today? That Jesus is not against you. Jesus is for you. He is for me. He is for us. He is for us. And for some of us, that is a revelation. We we may have heard the words before, but it needs to draw from here into the depths of our heart. He is for us. Again, the Bible puts it this way, Hebrews 4.16. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, confidence, so that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So when you approach Jesus, you find three things, mercy, grace, and help. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And help, boy, do we need help, especially in our time of need. So our response today, make him your best friend, talk to him, and finally, number three, trust him with your life. Folks, we have read it, we've studied it, now it's simply time to apply it, application. Some of you need to change your relationship status. You need to get up close and personal. You need to know God, Emmanuel, with us. He desires to know you, and He desires to know me. 
So I want to give you an opportunity of placing your faith in Jesus. And what I'm going to do in a moment, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to catch his hand. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. And you're saying, but Peter, I'm sitting in my sitting room, in the living room. It doesn't matter. He's there. And if you say, Peter, I'm in, I'm in my bed. That's great. He's there. Or if you're sitting in your car, he's there too. He's there. He's waiting. And he wants you to open up the door of your heart. And what I want you to do, and the reason I want you to raise your hand when I count to three, I want you to know that he knows and for him to know that you're serious. I want relationship with you. I want to know you as Emmanuel, God with us. So if that's you today, just close your eyes wherever you might be. Bow your head. When I count to three, just raise your hand. Not for me, because I can't even see you through the camera. So this is really between you and Jesus. So right where you are, sing right now. When I count to three, raise your hand and catch his hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Catch his hand. And if that's you, I want you to pray these words with me. Now, I can pray the words, and you can follow me, but I can't mean them for you. You have to mean them. You have to believe them. But I can help you say it. So if you want to follow me in this prayer, Jesus, today I give you everything. I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. And today, I choose to follow you. I am forgiven. I am set free. By your grace, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you have said that prayer for the first time, or perhaps you're coming back and renewing your relationship with Jesus, we want to help you take the next step. So if you go to our website, openarms.ie forward slash connect, there's a card there, and on the card it says, I have committed my life to Jesus, or I have recommitted my life to Jesus. If you just fill out your details, your name, your phone number, or your email, we will be in touch with you this week and help you to take the next step. God bless you. Have a great day.